This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3284 for Thursday the 4th of March 2021. Today's show is entitled, Introduction to GDB and is part of the series, Compilers, How They Work. It is hosted by Klaatu, and is about 24 minutes long, and carries a clean flag. The summary is, a really friendly introduction to the new debugger. This episode of HPR is brought to you by Archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. This is Klaatu. You're listening to Hacker Public Radio. In this episode, I want to talk about GDB. That is, GNU Debugger. It's the application that you get sort of by default, I think, whenever you install GCC. And you probably don't know what to do with it if you're anything like me. It's there. You know it exists. You can read the man page, but... Or the info page, which is even more extensive, but you're just not really sure what exactly you're meant to do with it. Maybe you do try it out. Maybe you're brave. You, you you fire it up, you try a couple of things, and it just doesn't give you a whole lot of feedback. Well, heck if I know. I, I don't know how GDB works either, but I have been messing around with it lately, and it's, it is it is kind of an interesting uh, concept. And there's a couple of different ways to use GNU Debugger. You can you can look at a core dump, a, a crash file with through GDB and learn information from it. Uh, and sometimes that is you can do that from GDB itself, or you can do it with um, a journal control or something like that in uh, with System D. Whatever method you do, you're you're technically invoking GDB. So that's that's one method of doing it. But you can also just open up. You can use GDB as kind of a a command before your command to launch a command within GDB. The the catch here is, and this is something that I found out later than I would have preferred, uh, the catch is that the executable that you are debugging must have been compiled with debugging symbols in it for you to get really the full GDB experience. So here's what we'll do as a little demo. We'll do a, um, I don't know, G, let's do a debug dot um, dot cpp seems like a reasonable thing to to do. So we'll just drum up a really quick, quick and easy C++ application. So we'll do a hash include less than io stream greater than symbol hash include less than actually that might be all no let's let's do this hash include less than standard lib dot h uh, greater than symbol um, and then we're going to do using namespace standard semicolon int main Parentheses, parentheses, curly brace, and then we'll start the random timer. It's just s rand, parentheses, time, parentheses, null, close parentheses, close parentheses, semicolon, and then we'll do int. Uh, let's do penguin equals rand, parentheses, parentheses, percent. Uh, we'll do, I guess, eight. So that'll give us an integer from uh, zero to seven. And then after that, we'll do a C out and just deliver ourselves a message. This is a message from your friendly coder, new line, end line, semicolon. And then we'll make another variable called int kiwi equals three. So we're hard coding that, that value. And then finally, we're going to do a printf. Oh, that means we're going to need to hash include standard io.h up here at the top again. I'll, I'll dump this code into the show notes. Uh, I mean, not, not that it's anything really, but it, 
yeah, maybe I won't actually just be silly to have this online, but, um, print F penguin is set to percent S close quote comma penguin and then print F again. Oh, better put a new line after that and a new line after this. And Kiwi is set to percent S uh, backslash N close quote comma Kiwi close parentheses semicolon. Okay. So now I've got a little C++ program here. So if I do a G++ debug.cpp, which is what I just called this application, debug.cpp, then it compiles as a dot out. So that apparently is successful, so we're all good, right? We can we can ship this application because it compiled correctly and nothing's wrong. So if I do a dot slash a dot out, we expect this to run successfully. I'll hit return. It looks good so far. It says this is a message from your friendly coder. That's a good sign. Oh, last sign or last line is segmentation fault. So I didn't get my penguin is blah and kiwi is blah lines at all. So something somewhere broke. We can probably assume that it broke, well, after the message that we inserted for ourselves, the message from your friendly coder message, uh, but we're not really sure where where after that it could have possibly broken down. Well, let's try running it with gdb then. So gdb a dot out, or actually I'll do a dot, a dot slash a dot out. And it gives me a sort of a, a little message from GDB telling me some information that we don't care about so much. But it does tell me that it w- it's reading symbols from a dot out done. And so if I start, I'll type start at the GDB. So now I'm in an interactive console with GDB. So I don't have my bash prompt, I have my GDB prompt. And if I type in the word start, then that starts the application running within this console. So first it says temporary breakpoint 1 at 0x400a44. That's some kind of memory address. I don't really understand what that is. Uh, and it says starting program is a dot out. It gives me the location. And then it says temporary breakpoint 1, 0x, bunch of zeros, 400a44 in main parentheses, parentheses. Okay, cool. So somehow there was a breakpoint created. We're not really sure why, but the breakpoint is it has been created so that when it reaches the main function, it checks back in with you. So that's just an automated breakpoint that has been imposed because the main function is a pretty common function. You can insert your own breakpoints at various places, and there's also uh, watch points and uh, some other point. So you can kind of control the the flow of of information from GDB, but right now we're just kind of we're just taking this tour. So we've already started this application. So technically, it's still running sort of in the background, or it's, it's idling in the background. So to continue past a breakpoint, we type in the word continue, c o n t i n u e. Hit return, and that's when we get this is a message from your friendly coder, so that's to be expected. And then we get program received signal sig segv segmentation fault, and it gives me an address 0x0000007 FFFF71C0C0B in VF printf parentheses parentheses from slash lib64 slash libc dot so. Dot six. So that's telling me, or, or I can surmise from that, that there's been a problem when either putting information into some kind of memory address space, which is all that 0x00007fffff stuff, and it's it's probably related to vfprintf, or, or getting information out of that memory space, we're not sure. But, but that kind of makes some sense based on what we're seeing here, right? This is a message from your friendly coder. We know that came before the printf statements, so it makes sense that the printf statements 
are causing problems because otherwise, assume, presumably, we wouldn't have seen a message from your friendly coder at all. So I'm going to quit out of that by typing the word quit, Q-U-I-T. All of these commands, the stop, continue, quit, those are in the info page for GNU debugger or the GNU debugger documentation. Uh, there's a good cheat sheet out online. I'm sure there are bunches of good cheat sheets out online, but uh, seeing just kind of all the commands and and the, the topics laid out really helped me. So let's see, quit, got that. It tells me there's still a process running, their debugging session running. Should I kill it? Yes, it's okay to kill that. Now I'm back on the, uh, just in, uh, my bash prompt. So I can do a G++ and then dash G. Now dash G compiles debug symbols into my resulting executable. And I'm going to name that resulting executable with a dash O debug test and then space debug.cpp. And again, debug is just this, the name, the arbitrary name I've given this application. I could have called it anything. I could have called it simple example, whatever, .cpp, whatever. So, so I'm doing G++ dash G for debug dash O for output debug test and then debug.cpp is my input. Hit return. It, it, it works. Now I'm going to do an ls-l. Yeah. ls-l on a.out, and then again on debug test, and again just for fun, debug.cpp. So what we've got here is we've got the a.out application is 11,624. 11, bytes, whereas my debug test with those debug symbols compiled in 22,952 bytes. So basically double, basically. And then debug.cpp, just as a matter of interest, is 338. So the source code, tiny, compiled thing, quite a lot bigger, compiled with debug symbols, quite a lot larger. And that is why, as far as I understand, that's generally speaking why debug symbols are not something that you are likely to just inherit for free when you download an application. They're not gonna, it doesn't make sense, generally speaking, I don't think, to distribute it with the debug symbols built in. Let's see how the output, or the interaction rather, of gdb differs though. So we'll do gdb.debug test and see what happens. Well, it says uh, that everything's good to go, I guess. Reading symbols from debug test done. So I'll click, or not click, I'll type start. And once again, we're kind of seeing um, expected output here. So we've got the temporary breakpoint at 0x400a48, file debug.cpp line 9, starting program debug test. So all, already we're seeing a little bit more information than we had before. It, it's telling us the file that we're working on and even the line number at which the breakpoint occurs. So if I switch over to a different terminal and open up my debug.cpp in Emacs, for instance. I'm doing an Emacs because I, I know that I have line numbers in that application. Uh, it, I can see exactly where where I'm sitting right now at, at line on line 9, which is quite nice. And it tells me that line 9... Well, so it tells me that there's a temporary breakpoint 1 at the main function of my code, and that line 9 is srand time null. If I look in my Emacs thing, here it is, line 9, srand, time null. So that is, that lines up, that that correlates. Okay, well, everything's fine so far, so I'm going to do a continue. And then it tells me, uh, this is the message from your friendly coder, and then it tells me, penguin is set to parentheses null, 
close parentheses. So I, I got a little bit more output this time than before. Uh, specifically, I kind of see the last thing it attempted to do, and I can tell, uh, I can surmise from this that Penguin is set to null. Well, that that should definitely not have happened because um, I set Penguin to something random, and so it shouldn't be null. It should be an, an integer 0 through 7. So maybe something's going on with my, my random function. Maybe I mistyped or, or have missed maybe my syntax is incorrect for the 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 random part of this of this of setting a variable uh possibly not but that would be certainly one one thing we could consider and then the other thing that we could consider is the printf line where it keeps sort of telling me that it's kind of failing it's telling me that that uh the printf line has some kind of error in it so it's hard to tell from this output for me at least whether the error is in the initial setting of this variable or whether it's in the printf statement itself so we can quit out of this i guess and go back up to my code and i guess we could you know if this is debugging right this is how that works so i guess we could we could look up the rand function somewhere and determine how how rand is supposed to work we know that um as far as i know we're supposed to initialize a, a seed and that is that can be done in a couple of different, or not a couple of different ways, but you, you can, well, I guess it could be a couple of different ways, but, but for SRAND, you know, for the, the RAND function, you do SRAND and then give it some, some source of, of entropy. So it, it looks to me like that's correct. So it looks to me like the printf statement is the, the thing that's wrong. And that's, that's kind of supported. I'm being so dismissive of that first theory because it, it does appear to be on the printf line that the crash occurs. The random function appears to pass uh, muster because we get the this message. This is a message from your friendly coder. So I feel like if the random function was the source of the error, then... I believe we would be seeing a crash before we got to our friendly coder message. And uh, many of you probably already know um, what the problem is here, but printf, if we were to kind of look into our, our syntax of printf, we would realize that we said penguin is set to percent %s, and the percent %s stands for string, but our variable penguin is set to an integer. So if we switch the percent %s to %d, percent %d, and percent %d, for, for both of our printf lines, and then save that, and then go back to bash, rerun our g++ dash g dash out debug test debug.cpp, and now we'll do the gdb again, debug test, symbols are loaded, okay, cool, and then we'll start, and this time it says, okay, so it stops again, it says temporary break, break point one at main, so we're sitting at line uh, nine, and then we could start, and, oop, not start, sorry, um, no, uh, continue, continue, and, and then we see all, we see that there is no crash. We get the, this is a message from your friendly decoder, penguin is set to 7, kiwi is set to 3, and then it tells me that inferior 1, process 14597 exited normally, so there was no seg fault this time, and that's a very brief tour of GNU debugger. So let's look at a couple of the other things that GNU debugger can do. So we'll start this up again, and, and as you can see, or as, as you can hear, um, I can just, I'm still in GNU debugger, and I've still got my debug test application loaded as sort of in, in that session. And so I can just start it again by I don't have to leave GNU debugger and restart GNU debugger pointing at that application again. It's, it's, this is my session. So I'm still at my GNU debugger. 
prompt. So I start it and it hits the temporary breakpoint at main and I can do cool things like next. Well, the next line, it tells me, is line number 10. And so that is, of course, the the penguin setting to getting set to a random number. And I guess we could watch that. Yeah, let's do that. Let's, let's, I'm going to do a, I'm going to start from the top again. It tells me, do I want to start at the beginning? Yes, I do. So uh, I've started at the beginning, so now I'm back at line number 9. I'm going to establish a watch point. W-A-T-C-H, watch, penguin, greater than 1. So more often than not, this will trigger when Penguin gets set at all. Because, I mean, it, it is possible that Penguin get, hits zero, but I'm going to bet that we don't get there that often. And I'm just going to gonna watch Penguin for any time it's set greater than one. Okay, it tells me that it's created a, a hardware watch point for the condition of Penguin being greater than one. And then I can also, for instance, I could set, I could set a breakpoint arbitrarily uh, myself, but I feel like we've already, we already have a breakpoint in here at the main function, so I don't know if that's really all that exciting. I guess we could, though. I could say break, break at line, uh, what is it, 12. It should be line 12 is when Kiwi gets started. So actually, let's break at line 11. So I'm just doing break 1, 1, break 11. And now there's a breakpoint, it tells me, in, in the file debug.cpp line 11. Cool. So now if I continue, two things should happen. One is that I should get an alert if Penguin is greater than 1, or, yeah, 1. Uh, so that, that should be, like, 2 and up. Uh, and I should get a, I, sh I should, it, things should stop at line 12, or 11. 11, yep, 11, okay? So I'm going to press, I'm going to type continue. And I get a couple of alerts. I get, uh, it tells me that it's continuing, and then it's telling me that the hardware watch point for Penguin greater than 1 has been sort of triggered. The old value for that watch point was false, meaning we didn't have it on record yet that Penguin had been set to anything greater than 1. The new value is true, meaning the condition we were looking for has now become true. And we'll get back to that in a minute. And then the next alert that we get is that a breakpoint has been triggered, which delivers us to line 11 which is our little message from your friendly coder line. And and now we're in a paused state. So this is, I mean, you can see kind of, you can see the power here. If you've developed an application and you're just trying to figure out why isn't, you know, why do I get here, but that value keeps getting dropped. Well, maybe that value isn't being set. Maybe your syntax is wrong, or maybe you're, maybe the thing that you're parsing it with is, is doing it wrong or whatever. But you can see the power here. If you know, for instance, the variable that you're looking for, or a condition of that variable that you need to catch. You can get that information here, and you can arbitrarily just pause whenever you want. Like, if you know the line that's confusing everything is on 112, then you can pause at 113 and then investigate what happened just now. So, for instance, if I want to get some information about a variable, I can get that information. So we know that penguin's greater than one, but we don't know what it is. It hasn't told us that. So let's just do print, P-R-I-N-T space, penguin. And it tells me that dollar sign two equals four. So there you go. Penguin is set to four. That is greater than one. So that makes sense. And then I could even print, can I print kiwi? Have we been by kiwi yet? Let's try it. Print kiwi. Dollar sign number three is zero. Okay. Well, what if we went to next? That's 12, the 12th line int kiwi, and then up, up, print kiwi again. No, it's still set to zero. Well, what if we go to the next line? Okay, well, now we're on 14, because 13 was a blank line. We're at the printf 
line. Now let's try printing Kiwi. Ah, there we go. Dollar sign five equals three. So now we know that Kiwi has been set as well. So we got Penguin, we got Kiwi, and we've got the rest of the application, really. And we could just say continue at this point, I, th I, I think. And sure enough, we get Penguin is set to four. Kiwi is set to three, so we got confirmation, I think, on both values that we that we got from our print statement. So they've been they've been retained correctly. Now it's also telling me that the watch point has been deleted because the program has left the block in which its expression is valid, meaning there's a certain scope to these things and that scope has expired. Or or we are now out of scope because everything's been resolved. Everything the, the program has exited. The return return zero has happened. So I think from this you can kind of I mean there's there's obviously a bunch of stuff that I'm not talking about here and and I well I guess I could talk a little bit more real quick about some things. Okay, so we're going to start back from the beginning. Yes, we are. Uh and then we're going to I think we're going to um going to do another break. We're going to do break at what was it line 12 or something. No, 11 is what it was. So we're going to break at 11 and we're going to say continue arbitrarily or or freely continue because we know that we're going to stop at 11. Uh and we're here we are at 11. So now if I print penguin again, I get a two, but the cool thing about this is that you can also you can you can get you can get the value of penguin in a couple of different by by a couple of different means. So for instance, and this is the one I mean I could do for instance print backslash u penguin, and that gives me oh no it doesn't I typed that in wrong um I uh, not backslash forward slash u and that gives me the value of penguin as an unsigned decimal. So that's pretty much what I would have expected. Now I could do forward slash o penguin, and that gives me a zero two. So that's the um, that's the octal version of that of that variable, or not version, but the the data that that the data of that variable in octal. We could also do uh, forward slash f, which will give me the value of that variable as a floating point. And I think the the really neat one is forward slash a, which gives me the address space of that variable 0x2. So now I'm going to do a break at I think it was 14 and continue so we get our kiwi value loaded and then I'm going to do print forward slash a of kiwi and I get the address space of kiwi. So that's that's some interesting and possibly useful stuff. I don't know it kind of depends on what you're looking for I guess but I, I, I find that pretty interesting. You can also show the type of a variable so for instance what is kiwi Type is int. Perfect. Well, that's useful to know. Maybe that would have helped us determine the problem with our printf value when we were trying to print f strings instead of instead of digits, for instance. There's a heck of a lot more you can do, and this is really just kind of my initial exploration of GNU Debugger in a way that I don't know. Hopefully, because this is kind of on the level that I can use it right now. This is this is really fancy to me. So hopefully something basic if you're at the point of not really knowing what to do with GDB. Maybe this has helped you get maybe interested in dipping your toes into it because yeah there's there's I'm sure a lot more information I could be gleaning from GNU debugger but in terms of where I'm at with programming and certainly debugging programs uh, this is kind of a this is a already really really useful. So if you think it sounds useful for you by all means, uh, try it out. And if you think that I'm using this uh, only a shred of its potential, uh, then by all means record an episode about what you do with GDB, and uh, that way other people can learn. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time. Music 
You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.